Hello, hello, and welcome back to Glycanhub, the podcast in which we explore health, disease, and longevity through the lens of glycobiology. My name is Rina, and I am your host. Believe it or not, we have reached the final episode of this season, and for the grand finale, we have decided to do something different. This season has featured 11 remarkable scientists from all over the world, spanning various backgrounds from neuroscience and immunology all the way to metabolomics and nanotechnology. Our guests represent the diverse intersections of the glycobiology field and its broad applications. Throughout this season, our discussions have evolved around the current status of glycobiology research, its potential challenges, innovative approaches, and the potential of glycans to revolutionize medicine. As you round off this season, we've asked each guest to answer a single, pivotal question. What role do you think glycans will play in the future of medicine relevant to your area of study? The first answer comes from Salome Pinot, the Immunology, Cancer and Glycomedicine Group leader at the Institute for Research and Innovation in Health at the University of Porto, as well as the Affiliate Professor at the Faculty of Medicine. During our conversation in the first episode of this season, we focused on the role of glycans in the immune system regulation, both in the context of cancer and autoimmune disease. Here are Salome's thoughts. As I had opportunity to mention, I believe that glycomedicine will, is a promising area uh, that will that have many uh, um, potential to transform oncology, but also to transform um, um, inflammatory diseases, autoimmune diseases, infectious diseases, being actually at the frontiers of infection, inflammation, autoimmunity, and cancer. And the glycomedicine I'm talking about glycans as biomarkers of disease for risk stratification, uh, for uh, being included in the uh, algorithm for clinical and therapeutic decision of, uh, of, of, of patients in, in many diseases, but also as a source of power uh, therapeutic agents and the power of, 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 of reprogramming or, or playing with the glycosylation signature of a specific cell, of a specific t- tissue, will have many any impact, not only in immune response, but also in, in, in other pathways associated with the biology of the cell and, of course, of the, of the tissue. Yeah, so I, I believe that glycomedicine is definitely a transforming area with many applicability in medicine. Olga Zaitseva is a postdoctoral researcher at GENOS, the leading laboratory for high-throughput glycomics. In episode two, we talked about regulation of immunoglobulin G glycosylation, relevant to aging and a range of chronic diseases. Let's hear what Olga had to say. I think that actually in the future we will see way more glycan biomarkers in you know in all kinds of diagnostics. Way more that we are seeing now. I don't believe there would ever be like the solo method of diagnosing like anything. But they definitely at least will be used in combination with current classic markers. Especially they will be important for cancer and autoimmunity, I believe. Peter Joshi is a tenured academic at the University of Edinburgh and the chief scientist for Humanity Health, a company focusing on measuring and improving our rate of aging. 
The focus of episode three was on biological age. We reviewed eleven different biological aging clocks, taking into consideration their potential for clinical application. Let's now hear from Peter. On the face of it, as we've been talking about glycans, um, are a marker of immunity um, and in the immune system, and you know we've obviously got much greater. Thoughts about immunity and the immune system at the front of our minds、um, following the recent pandemic.、Um, I also alluded to the fact, and this data was gathered before the pandemic, that it did look to us that、uh, glycans were a useful marker of real biological age, as opposed to simply measuring what we could measure anyway from our uh, calendars. Um, and so, I think. A, there's a lot of prospects specifically there、um, uh, in terms of prognostic tests for health、um, arising out of glycans if we gather the the data and research, and it will be、um, you know exciting to see how that goes. Hudson Freeze is a director of the Sanford Children's Health Research Center and the Human Genetics Program at Sanford Burnham Prebys Medical Discovery Institute. Our dialogue in episode four. Focus on the strides made in research and therapeutic interventions over the past three decades, focusing on congenital disorders of glycosylation. So, without further ado, here are Hudson's thoughts. Glycans are everywhere; they do everything. We got to figure out what all their jobs are first, as basic scientists. Then we have to talk to physicians. We have to educate physicians, the families. Once they know. That this is a glycosylation disorder, they're with us. So now I think that is going to be a big explosion. And it didn't hurt that Carolyn Bertozzi got the Nobel Prize and probably will give us a little boost. Samia Mora is a professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School and director of the Center for Lipid Metabolomics at the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. In episode five, we discussed modifiable risk factors and the prevention of cardiovascular disease, as well as the potential of glycan-based biomarkers. Here is Samia's answer to the question: What role do you think glycans will play in the future of medicine, relevant to your area of research? I think it's going to be a very important. Like I said, it's an explosion. It's going to be an explosion. I think over the next decade, because now we have the technology, and now you're going to have many studies that will be, you know, investigating this, kind of like what we had for the metabolomics and for the genomics、uh, and, and proteomics. I think this next decade is going to be the glycomics decade, and the precision medicine. We're going to be able to. You know, incorporate glycomics also within the other omics. So we're going to see how does it relate to metabolomics and proteomics and genomics, and how can we put that all together so we can more precisely tell for an individual whether it's their risk or their treatment for certain therapies or or, or over time how their profile is changing. So I think it's very exciting,、uh, Rina, and I do hope sincerely that. Uh, worldwide, you know, there is going to be、uh, increased knowledge and understanding about the the really key essential role of these simple sugar molecules that attach to proteins that we have, you know, 
just over the past few years really uh, discovered what they do and, and and these really promising results should be applied in the future to clinical uh, investigations and to clinical practice as well. Carsten Sture is a professor of physiology and biophysics and the director of Bioinformatics Corps. And Anja Halama, who is an associate professor in research of physiology and biophysics at Whale Cornell Medicine in Qatar. In episode six, we explore the impending metabolomics revolution in research, as well as its transformative potential in disease diagnostics and treatment. Here is what Anja and Karsten had to say. I was not ignorant towards the glycans, but I think the Congress I was attending um, last year, so 2020, the third uh, human glycan project, was kind of eye-opening for me and uh, just even more strongly made me think that this will be also another step for me considering it for including in the cancer research, especially based on the hints which we were finding looking at the molecular human, because we were having multiple interesting hits which were relating to, to cancer. And this is something which I would like to investigate on the samples, the patient samples which I have. I also would like to closely work with uh, like comics community, you know, to, to make sure that whatever I'm doing, it's, <laughs> it's not something that shouldn't be done, right? Because this is, this is a very important thing. So I see that, first of all, um, uh, making sure that there is some kind of mechanistic component to the things which we saw as a hint in our molecular human in context of cancer I can reproduce in the lab, but also to go further with the clinical samples which I have to do maybe some kind of fishing experiments, but I believe it will gonna bring me to another questions and some kind of answers, which we started to see in molecular human having this um, diabetic, non-diabetic population, but in the cancer patient and non-cancer patients, right? We should see even more stronger signals. So this is where, where I would like to go and look at, yeah. I don't want to be cited as this IBM managers years back who said there is no reason to have a PC in everybody's home and nowadays he has to swallow his words. Um, at the moment I don't think, I mean I would tend to say there's not much I've seen until now in, in the clinic but I think there is a real elephant in the room that some people just pretend glycans are not there. Like I think I remember Gordon showed uh, this on on Twitter the the image of, of the of the COVID uh, spike protein with and without lichens, and to see that some people just pretend they are not there and others say they are there. There is definitely I think still a gap and there would be probably some surprises there. So I think it's very hard to predict what the role of glycans in the clinic will be in 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 a few years time. But I'm very curious about that and I think. As we discussed before, the point is you really need more com comprehensive measures of glycans to actually show that they really play a role. And I think genome-wide association studies are certainly the first step to that, to show that actually if I tinker with the genome, I tinker with something else, and maybe these genetic variants overlap with disease loci. I mean, then I think the interest would really be kicked kicked off in, 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 in these glycans. So... More studies needed. More studies needed, but I'm, I'm still a bit hesitant because, as I said, most of these glycans we're measuring, they're just IgG glycans or just global glycans. 
Um, and if there's really a glycan code or something like that, we are not there yet to understand it. If the glycan code is really there and doing something, then it definitely will have a role in the clinic. But it still needs to be discovered. Ronald Schnarr is a professor and interim director of the Department of Pharmacology and Molecular Sciences and the professor of neuroscience at John Hopkins University School of Medicine. During episode 7, he introduced us to the role of glycans in healthy brain structure and function, as well as how glycan research reframed our understanding of the cause of Alzheimer's disease. Let's hear what Ron had to say. There are multiple areas, I think, that uh, are already being successfully addressed in medicine and will in the future. Uh, One example is glycogenes. They can have mutations that cause disease. And we already, in the clinic, have enzyme replacement therapy for those. And I think in the future, those will be addressed by gene therapies. There are already um, glycan, what we call glycan mimetics. Those are drugs that mimic the shape of a glycan involved in a biological event. Uh, One that comes to mind is uh, Tamiflu, which is an anti-influenza drug, which mimics the sugar sialic acid. And that molecule can alter the course of infectious disease. There are others in the area of inflammation that are also in the clinic, both uh, sugar mimetics that can change uh, inflammation and protein, glycan binding proteins that can be delivered uh, to change inflammation. And those are being tested now uh, in the clinic uh, for uh, persistent uh, short-term inflammatory diseases. Um, So I think in the future, that's going to be the the model. We're going to have easier and faster ways to build uh, glycans in shapes and uh, formats that can be delivered as drugs. We're going to have glycan binding proteins, antibodies to glycans, and uh, that in that area that are going to be deliverable, uh, replacement therapy, and of course, uh, gene therapy. So I think it's a big area, and I think there's lots of ways that glycobiology can uh, contribute. Gordon Lautz is a professor of biochemistry and molecular biology at the University of Zagreb Faculty of Pharmacy and Biochemistry and the founder and CEO of Genos. He is also the chief scientific officer at Glycanage. In episode 8, we reflected on the COVID-19 pandemic, focusing on how glycans have enhanced our understanding of susceptibility to COVID-19 and consequent disease severity. Here are Gordon's thoughts regarding the question, what role do you think glycans will play in the future of medicine relevant to your area of study? This will take time, but eventually glycans will become the most informative biomarkers because glycans integrate genetic, epigenetic and environmental factors. Today we use genes a lot to try to predict 
individual variation in uh, disease response or therapy response. And to some extent, this works. But the problem with genes is that genes do not change as we age. And the disease risk and the response to drugs are changing with time. So genes will always tell us a part of information. Glycans will have this genetic component, but we have also the epigenetic and environmental components. So glycans in this respect are more similar to complex diseases than any other set of molecules, because disease is also a consequence of your genetics, your epigenetics and environment. Glycans are consequence of genetic, epigenetic and environment. We just have to find the right glycan to use as a biomarker for each disease. This will take time because glycom is several orders of magnitude more complex than the proton. So we have 20,000 genes, maybe 100,000 proteins. We have 10 or 100 million different glycoproteins. So um, this is why I say it will take time for the technology to develop, for, for the knowledge to be accumulated. And I think glycom today is where genome was in the 90s. So it requires much more work, many more people working on it. But there is a bright potential because the, the glycom is the ultimate level of molecular complexity. So once we stop ignoring it, once we start to research it more, this will become the most informative biomarkers. Louise Newson is a GP and a renowned menopause specialist. She is the founder of the Balance app, the menopause charity, Newson Health Menopause Society, a best-selling author, as well as the member of the UK government menopause task force. Episode 9 unpacked the connection between perimenopause, menopause and chronic diseases, the implications of HRT and the emerging role of glycans as menopause biomarkers. Let's now hear from Louise. Well, I hope it will play a big role, actually. I think it will enable women to have more control, which I think is really important. I think if if we work it out properly, it will able to um, allow women to make the diagnosis of either the perimenopause or menopause quicker, but it will also reshape their future health as well by allowing them to have a objective measurement of what their health is like and hopefully improving as well um, in a way that we can't do otherwise at the minute. So I think it's a really exciting time looking at glycan age in respect to female hormones. Vered Padler Karavani is the principal investigator in the Department of Cell Research and Immunology at the Tel Aviv University. The season's final episode delved into xeno-autoantigens, illustrating the link between red meat consumption, inflammation and cancer susceptibility. Here are the red thoughts. I think glycans have a major role. As I said, uh, uh, glycans, uh, the evolution have never been able to, inv to invent a cell that is not covered with glycans. So it has a detrimental role. And definitely the crosstalk between glycans and the immune system are key to understanding uh, the disease conditions in humans and also how to exploit that into therapy and diagnostics. And it spans everything in life because 
the sugars are really covering every cell. And most of the proteins, actually, more than 90% of the proteins are glycosylated. So I'm pretty sure it will play a key role. Um, but it's yet, of course, to be investigated. As we draw this exciting season to a close, I want to express my gratitude to all our guests for joining me on the show and helping us spread the word about this incredible field called glycobiology. If you haven't already, I really encourage you to listen to these episodes. I have to say that regardless of how much I prepared for the interviews, I left every conversation having learned something new or unexpected. To find out more about our guests, just follow the link in the description to the episode show notes at our Glycan Hub page. I'm very proud to say that Glycan Hub is the first ever podcast focusing on the field of glycobiology. And I'm very honored for having had the opportunity to host it and bring such pivotal research into the spotlight. Of course, a huge, huge thank you to Glycan Age for making this podcast possible. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in and taking this journey with us. I encourage you to stay curious, keep exploring and delve deeper into the fascinating world of glycobiology. As always, I hope you have a great day. Thank you for listening.